0: Hosea chapter 4, God willing we'll be expounding verses 7 through 9. Hosea chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. I just feel like I need to say this for some reason. The reason Brother Shepherd, doesn't like that, and I don't like that, uh, where it says, let Jesus in and He'll pass over you, Um That's more than likely taken from a misunderstanding of uh, Revelation 3.20 where Jesus told the church of Laodicea, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear of my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him. And uh, and so uh, a lot of people take that and they'll say, Well, if you'll just invite Jesus in your heart, you'll go to heaven. And that's not how it works. It's not how it works at all. And Jesus was talking to the church there. And he said, I will come in, one word, to him. Instead of the English word into, I-N-T-O, it's two words, into. He's not saying, I will come into him, <laughs> come inside him. I will come in the church to that person. He's knocking on the door of the church. If any man will hear his voice and open the door, he will come back into the church. He will have fellowship with that person. Versus Jesus knocking on a heart's door and someone saying, Lord, come into my heart and save me. He doesn't save us by coming into us, he saves us by what he did for us on the cross. And so that's where our faith looks to. So in, in case someone wondered that, and I, I just wanted to clear that up. So Hosea chapter four, verse seven through nine, the title of the message this morning is Like people, like priest. Like people like priest. And God has been pointing out the reason for Israel's fall. He's been describing Israel's sins and now in verse 7 he continues his complaint against Israel saying as they were increased so they sinned against me. As they were increased so they sinned against me. God had increased the nation of Israel. He had showered them with an abundance of His blessings. He had increased their wealth. He had increased their children in number they grew. He increased their power uh, and their earthly possessions in the earth. They had been greatly increased by God's grace. But as God blessed the nation of Israel, so they sinned against Him. He blessed them greatly. They sinned against Him greatly. It's amazing. You know, it would have been different if Israel had a God that failed to keep His promises. You know, that would have been different. It would have been different if if they had a God who neglected them. Who cruelly deceived them. Who couldn't get them out of Egypt. Who couldn't get them to the promised land. Who abandoned them there after He delivered them out of Egypt and just left them for dead. But God sustained them. He delivered them from their enemies when they came against them. And and He he brought them into the promised land uh, like He said. And they had no reason to reject Him. When they were in such desperate need in Egypt, God lovingly looked upon their affliction and saved them. And He did not fail to keep a single one of His promises that He made to them. He had been faithful to them. But Israel had been unfaithful to, to Him. God had been so patient, merciful, and loving, and faithful to them, when they didn't deserve it. Even Israel's very own history books, back then, m- many of which are now, part of our Bibles. And we get to read through their history, like Brother shepherd has been teaching, on Sunday morning here in Sunday school. Their very own history books, declare the faithfulness, Of God's blessings that He gave to them and extended to His people. Nevertheless, as good as God was to them and as faithful as God was to them, so they were bad and unthankful to Him. Now I want you to think about our country because there is definitely an application here to be made. It's human nature. Uh, ungratefulness and sin is not peculiar to the Jews. (laughs) How did we start off as a nation? Like Israel, we had very humble beginnings, didn't we? Very humble beginnings. A bunch of pilgrims, or a few pilgrims actually, they were seeking a place to freely worship God according to the Scriptures. Of course there were others who came seeking other things, but that's how it started off. Not every immigrant was a God-fearing man, but you know the majority of them were. Our founding fathers, they acknowledged our Creator. They put their trust in Him. They wrote about Him in the declaration of our independence as a nation. And and, and eventually, uh, our country put in God we trust on our nation's currency. We swore presidents in by having them place their hands on what? a Bible that's pretty big and by that Bible they made their oath in God's name we taught our children about God in the public school system did you know that the public school system in many places began in the church just watch a little house in the prairie you know and it began in the church. They'd meet in the church house during the week. And in that public school system, we taught our kids about God. And when we did, God blessed our land above all other nations in the world. You know? So that even the people who denied God... Openly admitted that this is the greatest place on earth. Greatest country on earth. That's an undeniable fact of how God has lifted us up. But the nation that once stood for what the Bible teaches. Now stands for the things the Bible teaches against. Above all nations. We're flagrant sinners. As we were increased by God's gracious blessings. Even so we have turned against him. Just like Israel did. My dad used to say, when I was young, he used to say, Richard, the better you are to some people, the worse they'll be to you. I found that to be true. They're ungrateful, and the better you do for them, the more they expect out of you. They think, ah, we deserve it. And we've seen that in our land as well. We've spoiled people, and they're unthankful, many of them. And this is what happened to America So I have a question for America today. Just like God did with His complaint to Israel back then. America, what did God do to you to make you turn against Him? He took a bunch of lowly immigrants and turned them into a powerful and prosperous land of freedom. He increased our wealth and our influence in the earth. And He he let us dwell in safety. He delivered us from our enemies. He's given us medical, scientific, industrial, and technological advancements like our forefathers had never seen. And allowed even the poor among us to live, according to many standards, better than the kings used to live years ago. They didn't even have air conditioning. What complaint do we have against God? God. I saw yesterday on social media someone talking about some of the sins of America, and someone got on there and called it vile and disgusting and all that, and antichrist. The man was right. And there was a young man on there, a man who had big holes in his ears. I mean, like he'd drive a train through, big old holes in his ears. And that young man got on there and called that that older man. A boomer. Y'all ever heard someone be called a boomer? I got called a boomer the other day. I'm not a boomer. I'm not that old. But someone called me a boomer the other day. It's something that the young people call. You know the baby the baby boomer generation. It's something the, the disrespectful young people now do today. If a, if a person that's older uh, happens to rebuke someone for sin and stand against something that seems to be old-fashioned, maybe they call out someone who... Who claims to be a woman. They're really a man. They say that's wicked. They'll go, okay, boomer. Like, we shouldn't listen to you. You're old. And one woman even jumped in there with that man and said, these people only have so many years to live left on this earth. They're that old. They only have so many years left to live. Why should we worry about what they have to say? They're not going to be here long anyway. That's evil. What complaint do they have against America? I mean against God. What did he do to this country to make them hate him so bad and the people who follow his word? If it wasn't for God, we wouldn't have become the country we became. Did he not bless us above all the lands and in return we have been unthankful, unfaithful, and unholy. God said, this is what my people did. Look back in your text now. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. He says, I'll take the nation that once was so glorious. I'll make them become an embarrassment. I feel that way about our country many times now. I feel that way about our country. I'm actually embarrassed many times now at the direction that we're going. At one time, we were once proud to call ourselves Americans. At one time, they were once proud to call themselves Israelites. But God said, there's going to come a time when you will be embarrassed to do so. When I read this, it reminded me of the time when Jews had to wear the Star of David on their clothes as a badge of shame. Remember that. A nation that was once the envy of the world became the spectacle of the world. That's what happened to the Jews. Israel's glory was turned into shame, just like God said. Shortly after this prophecy was given, Jerusalem was left in ruins and despised by their neighboring countries. This is what sin does to a nation. This is what sin does to a person. It turns their glory into shame. The United States was once the land of the free and the home of the brave. But we are becoming more and more the land of the oppressed, in the home of the woke, offended, uncertain, and indecisive. The direction America is heading is an embarrassment to me. I was listening to a news reporter the other day interviewing uh, African leaders. African leaders. You know the places where we send the food to? And teach them how to drill for, drill for water, those places. They were interviewing these African leaders because they had a ban. It was illegal in their countries to practice homosexuality. And here was this sophisticated, educated American news reporter interviewing these men, separately, not together, but separately. And one of these men, they, she, she asked him, you know, are you against homosexuality? He said, absolutely, of course I am. It's disgusting. I thought, now there's a man right there, Brother Doug. Now, he didn't get out and tiptoe around it. Now, that's a man right there. I, I respected that. And you know what she told him? She says, you're going to get in big trouble for saying that. <laughs> I thought, who's going to get him in trouble? America going to come paw- wag our finger at him? Who's going to get him? You're going to get in big trouble for saying that, she told him. And the whole time I was listening to these men, all of them condemning homosexuality in their nations, every one of them standing against it to this American reporter, they didn't care what she thought. I was listening to this educated American newswoman lecturing these African presidents, and I was thinking to myself how nice it would be. To have one of those men running our nation in comparison to what we have now. That's what I was thinking. I thought, man, I can stand behind that. There's a leader. The United States was not glorious in those leaders' eyes. You know what we were in those leaders' eyes that day? We were an absolute embarrassment to them. Here we were lecturing them on morality. Morality. What a shame it is when America has to have tiny African nations tell us right from wrong. That's where we are. America was once the moral compass of the world. Now we're the shameful sheep that went astray. In a previous verse, the Lord said, Israel would no longer be his priest because they had rejected the word of his truth. And now God says, look in verse 8, they eat up the sin of my people. See that in verse 8? They eat up the sin of my people. They eat it up. Makes me think of the chickens we have. I take my little, oh, well, if you want to make chicken happy, you take a head of broccoli. You ever fed them broccoli? Oh, man. They'll they'll clean those little buds off just like that. They love that broccoli. They eat it up. That's the way these priests were back then. The priests were eating up the sins of the people. That the Israel's leaders should have been rebuking the sins of God's people. But instead they were eating it up. The people's sin was food for the priest. You getting that? The people's sin became food for the priests. Here's a on truth for you this morning. When pastors profit from the sins of their congregation, it is a sign that your nation is falling. When pastors profit from the sins of their congregation, it is a sign that your nation is falling. When people begin to go astray, you know what a true pastor will do? When people start going astray, they'll begin to correct them. They'll begin to say, shame on you. They'll begin to say, this is sin. This is wrong. We're going the wrong direction. That's what a true pastor will do. A true pastor will correct them, but a false pastor will not correct them he or she will accommodate them. That's what Israel was doing. They were eating up the sins of God's people. Like a good businessman, a false pastor will keep up with the change of times and adapt their ministry to meet the popular demand. You know what happens if a business doesn't keep up with the change of times? They'll go under. You've got to keep up. What's popular today? What are people looking for today today? Well, let's adapt our business, let's be flexible, uh, nimble, all those other things, and let's adapt our our business model accordingly, and we'll stay afloat, and we'll stay ahead of the game. And if a business doesn't change, they go under, and so uh, a, a a lot of churches have that same business model. What do the people want? What do the people like? Let's give them what they like. Let's let's adapt and change and be flexible and everything. And and like a good businessman, these false pastors will keep up with the change of times. And they'll adapt their ministry to meet the popular demand. I'm not here to meet popular demand. By God's grace, I'm going to preach the truth of His Word. And if there's just one person left, I guess we'll shut the doors down, but we'll go... Hang out and we'll discuss God's Word together. I'll teach God's Word. But I'm not going to change the message of God to meet the popular demand. God's Word doesn't change. To a false pastor, the church is all about supply and demand. They demand the pastor to marry homosexual couples. So the pastor for financial gain. To keep the church afloat. They then marry the homosexual couples. They meet that popular demand. So a true pastor. Sees sin. As a problem that must be eliminated. While a false pastor. Sees sin. As a market. That can be exploited. You see the difference? A true pastor sees sin as a problem that must be eliminated. A false pastor sees sin as a market that can be exploited. To eat up the sins of God's people. They fill their bellies with those sins. Look back in your text. And they set their heart on their iniquity. The priests not only profit from the people's sins, but they're participating in them, see? They're just as sorry and sinful as the people are. There's no difference. The heart of the priest, God says, is fully set on the sin of the people. Like people. Like priest, They were all the same. But somebody has to take a stand for morality. Somebody has to be separate than the common person. Someone has to be able to say, No, y'all are doing it wrong. Even if that makes me unpopular. Someone's got to do that. But not with the Jews of those days. The priest and the people. They all thought the same. So there was no moral check and balance. You see in the nation. Because the pastors and the people. Were equally wicked. God said verse 9. And there shall be like people. Like priest. Or as the Jewish translation words it. The Jewish translation words it. And it is like people. Like priest. Not that it shall become that way. It had become that way. Listen. A nation is morally lost. When the pastors wallow. In the mire of the people's sins. Instead of trying to pull them out of it. They become morally lost. Here's how it works. When pastors fail to condemn sin, the nation loses its conscience. When pastors begin to approve sin, the nation will develop a conscience that condemns righteousness. You listen to that? When a pastor fails to condemn sin, maybe they don't agree with the sin, but they fail to speak out against it. When a pastor fails to condemn sin, the nation loses its conscience. Because there's no one standing out against it, speaking out against it. But when a pastor begins to approve sin, to speak for the sin, to say the sin is okay, then they actually develop a conscience that will condemn righteousness. That will tell the righteous people, you're, you're bigoted. You're hateful. You're hateful. You're holier than thou. That's what a lot of of our churches are doing in the United States. God said, this is what Israel has done. Look back in your text. And I will punish them for their ways. And reward them their doings. I will punish them for their ways. And reward them their doings. Here's the kingdom truth. Your pastor's approval of sin will not deliver you from God's judgment of sin. Your pastor's approval of sin will not deliver you from God's judgment of sin. You can have a whole denomination of preachers. All come together, sign some big something or another. You know, I noticed the other day that the Catholic Church is now considering allowing their priest to marry after what thousand years or however long it's been, I think it was the uh, 10th century, 10th century AD when they said they can't, they can't marry, well the Bible actually spoke about that and said the wicked leaders would forbid their, pe- their, their people to marry, <laughs> but they did because they're wicked and now they're coming back saying well maybe we can start letting them marry again, well what changed about the Bible? What changed about God? Where it was bad then to marry, now it's okay for them to marry. But you can have these priests come out like that and say, "Well, this is this is okay to do this. It's okay, you know." They're, they're starting the Catholic Church is now starting to 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 get very soft on homosexuality and. all God's children kind of thing and all of that. And you can come out, you can endorse sin all you want to. Your pastor can approve it. Your denomination can approve it. But if God doesn't approve it, both like people, like priest, that means you and your pastor will be judged by God. Same way. God's no respecter of man's person. A false pastor may approve, but God will punish. Those pastors aren't speaking for me, God says. When pastors quit speaking the Word of God, they're no longer representing God. You know? The only reason I represent God is not because God said, well, Richard's a good man. Here, let him represent me. No. I represent God by speaking the Word of God. What I say is not God's Word. What God's Word I say. You see the difference? That's how it works. But when, when pastors quit speaking God's Word, they're no longer God's representative. Pastors are exposed to explain the Scriptures, not explain them away. And our nation has gotten to where the pastors are doing that now. They explain them away. I... I was talking to a, a woman pastor a while back. And uh, she says, You know, some, some people don't think women can be pastors. I said, Well, I'm one of them. I said, That's what God's Word says. I said, God's Word says that I suffer or allow not a woman to teach nor to use her for authority over a man to remain quiet in the church, and to learn in silence. And she said, well, uh, that was a cultural thing back then. I said, well, the Bible says the reason that was so was because God created man first and not Eve. And so the man is supposed to be the leader. The Bible explains why that was so, and none of that's changed. Man still was created first. The woman's still subject to the husband and all those things. And, uh, and, and man was, is the glory of God. The woman is the glory of man. All of that's the same. It's the way God designed it. And uh, uh, so this woman here, was. what was she doing? She was taking scriptures that were plain, plainly written in the Bible, just explaining them away. We can explain anything away if we do that. Well, that was for them back then. That's not for us today. That doesn't go for us. God looks at us differently now. That's the way people understood God back then. We've grown since then. So now we understand God differently. Man, I only want to understand God the way He describes Himself to me. I want to understand Him according to His Word. So pastors are supposed to explain the Scriptures, not explain them away. Like people, like priests, follow your wayward pastors. Wallow together in the mire of your sin with your wayward pastors. And in the end, like people, like priest, I will punish you both for your wicked ways. With that, we'll go ahead and close this morning. And God willing, start back up in the next verse, verse 10, next Sunday. I've always was raised up to respect preachers. You know, I grew up in church. When a man toted a Bible and he was a pastor of a church, I respected him, I listened to him, I tried to. And then one day I grew up and I realized they're not all saying the same thing. But all teaching the same thing. And I knew I had to learn what the Bible said myself. Find out what the truth was. And stick with it. Like people. Like priests. How about we do something different? How about we be like God? Father, we thank you for your precious word. I pray, dear Lord God, that we will not judge ourselves by ourselves. The people approve of the pastor. The pastor approves of the people And they all walk merrily together into their judgment. Help us, Lord, instead judge ourselves by Your Word. For Jesus said, if we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. Help us to hold high Your infallible Word as our eternal standard. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. And we love You. Amen.